Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Monash. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have a great guest all the way from San Antonio, Texas. Welcome to the show, Jacob Garza. Thanks for having me on, Victor. It's a pleasure to be here. Great to have you here. Now, Jacob, you've been in this business quite some time. I know you're an operations expert. And before we dive into the details, maybe give a little bit of your backstory, how you got to this point in your journey. Sure. Thank you. My uh, story started early in my early 20s. I was in the technology business and started a couple of software companies out of the Dallas area. That's where I'm from. And uh, sold my last one in 2007. And it was a property management software program. It was called Tenant Pro. If you Google Tenant Pro and Jacob Garza, you'll see things still come up from there. So when I sold it, I had over 100 employees. I was a sole shareholder when I sold it. And my wife and I were had, had a, I guess, an option to, to, to move from, from uh, Dallas. So we picked up our two young children and moved to San Antonio in uh, 2008. Yeah, yeah. Well, you and I share a bit of tech background in common. I spent most of my career in uh, microprocessor design, so was involved in all kinds of embedded processor applications before I transitioned into real estate in around 2009. Surprise, surprise, there's something about that magical time of 2008. Something happened that just opened things up, didn't it? It it certainly did. And I look back and that was a great time to exit the space. I always told my wife that I love the technology business, but it is extremely volatile yeah. and very risky. That is not the case in real estate, at least as compared to t- t- the tech business. Absolutely. I mean, in the tech world, you're basically looking to raise capital with an idea, hoping to develop a market. Maybe you're trying to go into an existing market with a better solution, hoping to displace an incumbent. And that's a very different value proposition from saying, here's the market, here's the comps, here's, you know, if I build this the customers will appear and you've got independent third-party market studies and all the rest to walk a very predictable path that's been paved many times before. Absolutely. You're buying a proven revenue history. You know where you're buying. And then and then tech, you're always going back to the well for the capital injection. So fortunately, that was not the case for my space. We were, I was, again, this bootstrapped it, got lucky. So I figured it was when it was time to get out, it was, it was good. Fabulous. So fast forward to today. Yeah. So we bought our first property in 2012. I'm a little bit of a geek when it comes to starting up things. So I actually did all the maintenance on it and my wife did the leasing on it. I was in here in San Antonio. So we really figured out this is a space we really like and we felt like we could scale and it was something we could do together. We've never worked together before. So you know, one thing led to another. We bought a 24, a 28 unit, an 88 unit, 143 unit. Uh, then, Victor, we started syndicating deals, and today we're about 2,800 units, and we have six, six properties in Houston and eight properties here in San Antonio. I love that. I love that. And, you know, that's it's not a necessarily a common career trajectory, but your experience as a syndicator is almost textbook, starting with those small to medium-sized properties that are below the radar for, they're certainly not institutional quality, but learning the ropes on on those smaller properties and then transitioning up into the properties that you really more of that institutional quality. Yeah, we didn't we didn't skip any loops, did we? We bought the flat roofs, right, Victor? We yep. bought the galvanized piping, uh, the chiller systems. So th- that's exactly how uh, we started. And, and now we're transitioning, obviously, over to much newer assets. But 
you know, like I tell people, if they want to get started in this business, you have the more time you've got, the more money you can move faster, but you, you're typically hitting all the rungs. You just, you can't miss any steps. What happens if you do try and skip steps? I'm hoping you have a good co-sponsor that, or a bank that doesn't lend you the money because you're probably not going to do very well. So we're obviously in a turbulent time. We've got a tremendous amount of risk, inflation risk. We're still not out of the pandemic. As you look forward next 12, 24, 60 months, what do you predict? What's going to be, what distinguishes the winners from the losers? Yes. What we have going for us, at least us as, as, as syndicators, is we are in, we're in the South, right? We're in the smiley faces. Everybody knows what that means. It goes from Utah to Arizona, to the Carolinas, Atlanta, and Florida. And I don't see the migration of people from other states slowing down into the states I just mentioned. And that, that's just a gimme for us. I see the policies of lawmakers keeping it friendly for business uh, and for landlords. And when you, when you have that, and you have major corporations, not only people, major corporations moving to those states. I think we're on a good two to three to four year trajectory. I, I, I just don't see it slowing down. The pandemic was kind of the great equalizer, literally affected every single business. And one thing I got out of it was people are going to do two things. They're going to put food on their table and they're going to pay their rent. And you know, we were very fortunate, Victor, to be part of this space that we had just a lot of people pitch in on our relatives that pitched in. And then the government came in, they came in very strong. I think that's why a lot of capital is coming to the multifamily space is because it's proven itself to be a very resilient asset. And then when you couple all these companies moving here, I can, you just know why cap rates are, are compressing. Again, I think the growth is going to be here for, for a while. If you look at the pandemic itself and the government rent assistance that was promised, I mean, 18 months in, 20 months in, even only a small percentage was actually spent. What was your experience personally in terms of economic vacancy, dealing with the moratorium on evictions and collections, and ultimately trying to get some money from the government from those tenants who couldn't pay? Yes, we were very, very helpful with our residents, even during the pandemic, filling out their paperwork, meeting with them. Of course, that was a distance at the beginning. Then it became, okay, at least you can get six feet apart. And we were able to help 90% of our residents who said they couldn't pay. So 10% of them stayed in their unit. Some of them left. We, we did employ some things that helped us get their rent or the move. Certainly percentage delinquency did go up. I think we were at four to 5%. But in the grand scheme of things, we were able to turn the rent roll on those people and get people in and who were, who were paying. That mirrors the experience of a lot of landlords that I speak with as well, where you know there was a lot of talk of Armageddon and the end of the world. And in fact, many experienced very much what you're talking about, where there was a small percentage of delinquency, some as little as zero, often one or 2%, maybe five to 6% at the high end. It was not a catastrophic outcome by any means. It all, certainly impacted cash flow, but it certainly wasn't going to put things upside down, at least for investors that I speak with on a regular basis. Yeah, that is, uh, that's correct. So we, we were able to work through it. And again, I, I think we're very fortunate to be in this business. Absolutely. So as you look forward over the next 24, 48 months, there's a lot of people still chasing 
a small number of opportunities. There's too much money in the system. Things that do sell on the open market often sell above asking price. There's often multiple offers on multi-unit assets when they come on the market. How are you sourcing opportunities or are you even sourcing opportunities today or are you just waiting for better pricing in the future? We are sourcing deals. Um, We closed eight properties last year. We have our own management company. So we hear a lot that's in the market and that actually gets funneled up to us. So about half the deals that we buy are off market and we expect to buy 12 properties this year. That's our goal. Uh, And we're hoping to increase that a couple of more properties and more than half off market. I still believe the, the fundamentals here in Texas are extremely strong, even as prices as, as high as they are. I, I still think you're going to see some appreciation. You're going to see rent continue to increase, and you're going to see more people build housing here in San Antonio and Dallas and, and Houston and all the other surrounding metros. That's still going to make it very possible for investors to come in and get a decent return. Are they lowering? Yes. I mean, we're we're seeing you know seven percent, six percent, eight percent, but it's still better than anything else you can get out there. And bonus depreciation, as you know, is this, this is the last year of a hundred percent bonus depreciation. So, you know, as long as the debt stays where it is, and we're able to get this great financing, uh, and you're operationally sound, you can you know how to run these properties coupled with buying them correctly. I I see the next, like I said, three to four years. I'm pretty bullish on that. That makes a lot of sense. And that mirrors our experience as well. We're seeing still a tremendous amount of opportunity in the marketplace in those select submarkets where there's influx of population, there's a shortage of housing, there we see that upward pressure on rents. And, and it's not just Texas, we see it in Huntsville, Alabama, and other mm-hmm. places that are attracting jobs. Uh, we, see, we see that very consistently. So that's, uh, that, that mirrors our experience as well. What are you doing from a technology perspective? You come from a tech background. What are you implementing in your properties that are either differentiating your, your projects from a tech perspective or your operations from a tech perspective? Sure. So one of the initiatives that we did in, in 2018 and 19 is we pulled off every single TAA, Texas Department Association, lease off of our properties. All of our community forms, we had those customized. So all the applications were all online. And I was surprised when the pandemic hit, how many operators were not electronic on their lease forms. The other one was all of our online leasing to Matterport, which I love the product. We had all of our properties done like that. So, I mean, when the pandemic came, we were, I love the product. Like I said, I, we were set up with that. The other component, which takes a lot of time and effort, you can get a lot of scale out of is electronic payments. Hmm. Yes. Everybody knows ACH has been around. ACH was around when I started on software company in 1990. So there was nothing, there's nothing new about that. And most residents still like to come in and pay with, um, not all residents, some with a uh, money order. And although probably half of our products of our assets are in the 2000s here, we bought recently, we still have half of our portfolio that are in the 80s and they're fantastic assets. So these, these residents will still want to come in and pay with a money order. So we have a relationship that they can go through any ACE check cashing, Tom Thumb, Kroger, HEB, and, and a bunch of other uh, retailers. And they basically hand them a number or a card with their money and it goes right into our software system. So you can't even make a rent payment at our, uh, at our offices anymore. 
So that precludes the person coming in and saying, oh, I'm, 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 I'm on my way back to work. You know, I'm on my way back to the office. I'm leaving work. Uh, can you wait for me? And none of that's gone. So, so really, we were, we were running a virtual office when the pandemic hit. So those are some of the things that we've done. And as far as our maintenance and work orders, we've completely revamped that as well. I love it. Well, Jacob, if folks want to connect, if they want to learn more, what's the best way? They can reach out to me via email. It's uh, jacob at jacobgarza.com. Website is reapequity.com. That's R-E-E-P equity.com. Or then call me. And my cell number is 214-850-6723. Just send me a text before. Tell me you heard it on this show and I'll, I'll call you back. Fabulous. Well, we'll put all those details in the show notes. Jacob, love the perspective. Love hearing the story about your journey. And for the listeners at home, definitely connect with Jacob at reapequity.com. Again, the links are in the show notes. In the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. I'll talk to you again tomorrow.